You're listening to the Biz Women Rock podcast, and this is a special series all about podcasting for your business. My show is really a proof of histories about people on multiple levels, right? Because I don't pay to advertise. People are sharing the show with their friends. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I'm Katie Kremitzos, your host, and this podcast is here for you to access easily digestible information that can have immediate results in your business. It is part of the entire Biz Women Rock community. If you want to be part of the Biz Women Rock community, which is the home for women all over the world in all sorts of different industries who come together to help one another grow and get access to resources that can help your business grow, then all you have to do is go to bizwomenrock.com, go opt in, and you will be given a personal invitation from me to join our private Facebook group. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here joining me for the Podcasting for Your Business series. I created this series specifically because A, as you may have heard about in the kickoff episode of the series, episode 277, you heard the entire story of Biz Women Rock. And ultimately, my entire business, this incredible global community of women who I am privileged to serve, who I get to practice living in my purpose every single day through this business started because of the podcast. So personally, I have a little bit of an attachment (laughs) and a love of podcasting. Also, and just as importantly, I have so many women and men who continue to ask me questions about podcasting and want to be introduced to resources that can help them, stories that can help them see the insides of what this podcasting world is all about, and more importantly, what is possible here. There are nine episodes that are a part of this series, plus what amounts to an audio directory of podcasting resources. I reached out to service providers, people who provide products and services for podcasters and put them all together in a resource guide for you. So that is available to you as well. Two quick mentions before we get into today's episode. Number one, I want to thank our sponsor, Emerald City Productions, without whom I could not have possibly produced this series. If you want to put your attention on what you love to do rather than the post-production of your podcast, go to emeraldcitypro.com forward slash bizwomenrock. And the major, major point to make here is that if you are listening to this, that means you are either interested in podcasting and how it can work for your business and your brain is starting to think about that, or you currently are a podcaster and you just want to know how to do it better and have a deeper impact both on those you serve and your business, which means you need to come to PodFest Multimedia Expo February 23rd through 25th in Orlando, Florida. Go to podfest.us. 
two major reasons that this is a must-attend conference. Number one, the education. I promise you, and by the way, I'm saying this because I happen to be married to the gentleman who is the organizer of this entire conference, but I have been able to see the speaker lineup and the topics, and so I know firsthand that the education is literally going to be off the chain. I am starting to feel conflicted on like, oh my gosh, I want to go see this. I want to go see this. So the education that is going to be presented here will knock your socks off and change your podcasting experience forever. I promise you that. The second major reason that you have to attend is for the community. You will hear me talk over and over again about how amazing the community of podcasters is. And this conference is specifically engineered so that relationships can get started, relationships can dive deeper. You have opportunities to not only speak and connect with your fellow podcaster attendees, but also with the speakers. There's no difference between the speakers and attendees at this conference. And there are events that are engineered so that you can network purposefully with your fellow attendees. It's going to rock. And guess what? Because you are listening and because you're a part of the Biz Women Rock community, you get a massive deal on a three-day combo ticket. Just go to podfest.us and use your promo code BWR, all lowercase, and you will get your discount. I am so looking forward to seeing you there. All right, let's get into today's show. I am so, so proud to have my very good friend, Liz Covart, on the Biz Women Rock podcast today. I'm featuring Liz on the show today to give you an insight into how podcasting can change an industry. And Liz should know, she is the creator of Ben Franklin's World. It is a podcast specifically focused on early American history, and she has a fantastic backstory as to why she started that podcast as a hobby, by the way and how it has grown so much since 2014, so much so that she is now, at the time of this recording, expecting to hit 140,000 downloads just in this month, which is pretty awesome. I say those numbers only because it's very relevant as we discuss the impact that her podcast has had on the entire industry of learning and academia and even history. Now, I encourage you to specifically listen to the very end, about five minutes before we end. She gives some great tips on what you need as a podcaster, what you have to be willing to deliver in order to have success, no matter how many downloads you get to have success in podcasting. Let's get into the interview with Liz. Liz Kovart, what's going on, girl? Katie, it's so awesome to be on Biz Women Rock. I mean, I listen to your podcast. We're friends. I've heard all about it. But this is like it. I know. I'm on it. I'm I'm actually kind of ashamed right now that this is the first time I'm having you on. Like I'm like, dude, I have been bowing down to you for a long time now. So um, I'm actually the one who's honored to have you on the show. And I'm specifically having you on the show, um, although we could really talk about a whole host of things that would be incredibly beneficial to every single person listening right now. The reason I'm having you on this show for the Podcasting for Your Business series is because your podcast, Ben Franklin's World, has 
has kind of had like a really unique impact on the history industry. And so if you can call it that, (laughs) but the history arena, if you will. So I wanted to share a little bit about you and your story and kind of what you're doing with your podcast so that everyone who's listening can really see a different vantage point of how a podcast can really be used and, and how, what kind of an impact it can really make. So with that being said, can you explain a little bit about maybe why you started Ben Franklin's World? I started Ben Franklin's World because I couldn't find a history podcast I wanted to listen to. I'm, I was podcast junkie, you know, that technical term of somebody who just consumes lots and lots of podcasts. And I had finished my PhD program. I decided I did not want to be a pro- uh, traditional professor. And I was looking for the next best thing. Like, what could I do? How could I still be a historian? How could I reach the public and teach people about history and not have to lecture about it or grade any papers about it? And so I was listening to podcasts. I'm like, these are great why don't we have a podcast about early American history? And I started going through all the history podcasts and they were all like cheerful Wikipedia articles, like (laughs) overviews of topics or, you know, guys going on rants after reading like six books about history. And I'm like, but you're not offering a real historical viewpoint here. Because I was an academically and professionally trained historian, I wanted to talk to historians. I wanted really in-depth stories about history. And because I'm an early American history junkie. I really wanted early American history. So I grew up in one of those households, you know, those households where if you see something that needs to be done, your mom says, don't tell me about it. Just go do it. And so after years of that, I was just like, all right, nobody else has an early American history podcast out there. So I'm just going to start one. And then like a great academic, I spent 18 (laughs) months researching the medium on and off to figure out, well, if I did this podcast thing, how could I be successful with it? And I launched Ben Franklin's World, and this show is just full of surprises. It's just really taken off and has been incredible. So it's been an awesome experience. You could say the rest is history. I know, so bad. (laughs) Um, Okay, so lesson there. Would you you have, looking back now, would you have taken 18 months to launch, to research? No, (laughs) I probably wouldn't have taken that long. But I'm glad I did. You know, it's paid off in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that I know how things work. I know why certain techniques behind the mic work the, the way they do. And now I'm still I'm still even researching it. I'm getting ready to do narrative episodes with sound Ooh, in them. Very so that'll nice. be in the fall. So Wow, big deal. Up in the game. So uh, the reason I wanted everyone to know of that history is because there are definitely women listening who have a passion for something and whatever it is that they are currently doing, whether it's a business that they currently have, or, you know, maybe they're sort of trying to build up a business, but they, they they see that like, there's no, there's nothing big on the other end of that. Like they're kind of frustrated with it. So I wanted them to see that there is this thing called this medium of podcasting that can be sort of the next thing that you do. And you can absolutely bring your passion into that. So, so talk a little bit about what Ben Franklin's world has become since then, just to give people kind of a snapshot. So talk about when did you launch this? And like, what kind of a spread do you have now? Like, how many people are listening to Ben Franklin's world now? You should know that I didn't have a business uh, when I started podcasting. I just really wanted to talk about history. So that was my entire show. And I really wanted to do narrative episodes to begin with, but narrative takes so much time. And everybody's like, podcasting is a lot of work. And I'm like, I just did a PhD in grad school. I know what a lot of work is. <laughs> and even I was surprised at how much work podcasting can be if you want to do it, if you want to do it well. 
But I started Ben Franklin's World, and because it would be too time-consuming to do narrative, I started interviewing historians because I knew a lot of historians having gone to grad school, still going to conferences. I didn't leave the professional historical world. I just decided I was going to create a niche for myself in it, and that's what I've done. Um, And the podcast has totally allowed me to do that. So I interview a new guest historian each week. We talk about this concept of vast early America, which is looking at how places in North America did not develop outside of the world. The world has been a globalized place before globalization became a term. Mm. We look at a different aspect of early American history every week. And so it's just me talking to a historian. I let them tell their story. I guide them with questions. I frame the interview. I'm never telling anybody what to think. I'm always trying to point out important ideas that you should think about, I think, but I don't care how you think about them, just that you consider them. That's it. I'm just connecting historians with the public and their exciting professional historical work with the public. It's great. We have a really in-depth show and in-depth conversations looking at everything from slavery to economics to, to business history, presidential history, any topic you can imagine we're covering on the show. And I just want to point out how powerful that is. And for you who are listening, who think, well, my idea for a show or the business that I would want to create a show for already exists out there. There were plenty of history shows out there, as Liz was saying, and she was a consumer of them. But like you really found your specific niche on what you were really great at. And I mean, how amazing is that, that you got to create a platform where all these historians were able to come and give their story, talk about what they're passionate about. I mean, that wasn't really happening. So what a great forum that you had created to share that information. So It obviously took off. There was obviously people who were interested in history, interested in early American history, and interested in it in the way that you were doing it. So much so for the tune of, would you mind sharing your download numbers? And I only want to share this because it, it, I need you to hear just how many people are actually latching on to this idea that Liz had. So I launched my show in October 2014. At that point, I was every other week, and I made a conscious decision that it'd be every other week for a release date until that first week in January where I would go weekly. Um, So I am a weekly program, release every Tuesday. So my very first month in October 2014, I had 36 downloads. Nice. Woohoo! Yep. (laughs) Uh, Last month, there was a new record, and I was 93 downloads shy of 107,000 in a month. 107,000 in a month? Yeah, and the show is close to 1.5 million, and it's on pace to break 140,000 this month. Ugh. Dude, I, I'm I'm giving you like I'm like bowing down to you in this moment because <laughs> I just think that that's so fantastic. And I, I want you to hear number one is that numbers are numbers like that. I mean, what's really important is that it just shows like this proof of concept that what you are doing is really connecting with people and people are caring about it and they continue to care even more and more than likely are sharing with their friends who are like, dude, you got to go listen to the show <laughs> because your numbers keep growing. So the point is, is that you have just out of a hunch out of like, hey, this might be fun and I love podcasts and let me just marry my love of history and early American history with podcasts. Being able to do that, you know, three years down the road, you are singing the tune of being able to create, like get a message out to over 107,000 people this month. Yeah. My show is really a proof of histories about people on multiple levels, right? Because I don't pay to advertise People are sharing the show with their friends. And I do have this philosophy. If a listener emails me, I know a lot of entrepreneurs like to hire out things like 
you know, they get a personal assistant. If they get an email from a listener, you know, the personal assistant susses out whether the host needs to see it or just answers it. I answer all my email. I don't find it too overwhelming, but I find that there's this like concept of the rule of 100. If someone takes a time to email you, there were a hundred people who, who asked, want this, know the same question or, or reach out. So I believe that if they take the time to, to reach out to me, I'm going to give them a personal answer. And most of the time they're like, oh, my God, you're like a real person. I cannot believe that you <laughs> took the time to answer my email. But it, it's like, where would I be without my listeners? Right. They're yeah. so important. Yeah. I value them a lot. Well, and you've done some really cool things to continue conversations with them outside of your podcast. Talk a little bit about your Facebook group. Um, you have been able to do some other things as well to sort of like spread the message of people who are listening. So talk a little bit about your Facebook group first. Well, I started this Facebook group because my listeners wanted to connect on Facebook. And I had sworn off Facebook actually in like 2007 when I was working on my dissertation and spent like six hours on Facebook and not writing my dissertation. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this can't ever happen. So no Facebook. But a lot of my listeners were on Facebook and they weren't necessarily on Twitter. So I got back on Facebook and I'm like, okay, I need to start a, a group. So I got this big like Facebook for dummies book and I'm figuring out how to set up a group and I set up the group and I was just kind of like aimless with it. And I'm still not as proficient as I could be because I've made a decision to focus on content over the group. But I try to check in once a day and I took Katie's awesome class. So I have all these ideas if I had the time to like make my <laughs> Facebook group shine. Uh, Katie, Katie's class is really great. And she did not know I was going to promote that. No, but thank it's you for true. the plug. <laughs> but yeah, no, my listeners get in there and we interact. So I always post like the new episode to let them know it's up. If there's historic events that I find out about, like a lecture series or a reenactment, I try to post that in the community. Interesting articles. We post it. I try to ask random questions just to get to know them better. So we do have conversations. Um, it, it varies as to the time of the year as to how active it is, but there's usually activity in it every day. Listeners start talking to themselves, which is great. So history connects these people too. I love that. And just because of the growth of this podcast, the way that you've been able to connect the listeners, more and more things are coming out of it. Talk a little bit about the Doing History series. I mean, this is actually a great story of how it started. So I launched my podcast in October 2014, and by April 2015, I felt a bit of drift because it just kind of exploded. It went from like 36 downloads to like 36,000 downloads, and all of a sudden, all these historians are pitching to be on my show, and I was like, whoa, what do I tell my friend and colleague that I can't have them on the show because there's no space, like that for whatever reason, their project is not a good fit for the show. Like, how do I say no to these people? Right. And potential sponsors were contacting me. And I know you're like, oh, this is great. But I'm like, wait, do I really want to be, you know, I can tell people it's an ad till I'm blue in the face, but I'm basically going to be endorsing this project product. Like, should I be doing that? And I asked all my entrepreneurial friends who podcast for advice and the advice they gave was great, but it just didn't seem to fit like this academic mainstream niche that I had created. So I reached out to Karen Wolf um, at the Omohundro Institute of Early American History and Culture, which is down at the uh, College of William and Mary. These guys published the premier journal in early American history, and they were the only people I'd ever heard talk about the business side of history. The fact that, you know, we do have these journals and sure, they're free to publish in, but there's a cost to producing the journals and a cost to publishing the essays. And so I just reached out and, you know, said, I have these problems. I'm not really quite sure what to do. And because very maturely, I just didn't get back to my colleagues. I was just like, I'm not going <laughs> to answer that email. Uh, so it wasn't a good thing. And they were 
were so gracious. They had me down. There was no expectation. I told them all about podcasting and why I loved it. You know, it's an intimate medium. You can really connect with listeners. History is natural for podcasting because we learn by stories and history is about stories. So we're basically going back to the days of oral storytelling and my numbers are growing and they were really impressed. They were really helpful. They helped me streamline a lot of a lot of things behind the show to help me professionalize it. it. Basically, I started the show as a hobby and it was very quickly becoming a professional production, a serious platform for historians. So they helped me out with that. And then three weeks after I went down to Williamsburg, Virginia, they emailed me and said, hey, you know, when you were here, you mentioned that you might do an episode about how historians research and how you can research your early American ancestry we love this aspect of talking about doing history, which I'd always talked about in every episode, but like in one question and kind of did it surreptitiously so nobody would know that I wanted to talk about craft too. Right. They were like, let's let's like be out and proud about talking about how historians work and we'll do this series where we sponsor an episode once a month on your show. And that's how that that series started, but it's it's quickly evolved. So we released these series and they kind of go in order from like why historians research, to how they pick a topic, to how they research a topic, to how they write about it, how they organize their research. So pretty nuts and bolts about how historians work and why their work is important. And we did this all throughout 2016 to great success. And very quickly, the podcast went from being, the series went from being just a a spot that they sponsored to being something really great for their business, for their organization. And it's been so successful for all of us because, you know, here I am, right, producing the podcast that reflects on the organization that produces like the best scholarship out there. Uh, so I upped my game, right? Yeah. Like, I'm going to work really that's, hard that's to make nice sure alignment. that this sounds great, right. you know? So everything's improved. And they said to me, we'd like to do this again. So we're working on a new series. It'll be different from Doing History Season 1, which was how historians work. We're going to do Doing History to the Revolution and take an in-depth look at the American Revolution and how all the people, events, ideas of the revolution, you know, what they were and how our ideas about those people, ideas and events of the revolution have changed over time, how history is a process that way. So we're really going to tell a lot of different stories and just show how those stories have changed over time. I love history that. in action. Oh, I lo- is that the name of the series? No, it's called Doing History to the Revolution, but it really is designed to show you history in action. Oh, I love that. That's really nice. Ah, oh, so I, I th- thank you so much for telling that story because I, I, it's so obvious in that story just how much of an impact it can really have because now there are people who, yes, there's this journal publishing and that's great, but now there's this whole other venue, there's this whole other platform for people to gather that information. And one of the things that I have definitely heard you talk about, we've had conversations about, is this idea that it's the culmination of utilizing this platform of podcasting to share your message and your love of history in the light that you do. And it's obviously making an impact. It's, uh, there are obviously people who are interested in that. What impact do you see that having on the entire, like, I mean, there's like a, a serious impact that can have he- that can be had here for like the education system and people who are interested in history. So talk a little bit about that. So what's been really interesting is, you know, like I said, my podcast started as a hobby. I just wanted to share my passion. I never imagined people and teachers would use the episodes at the way that they're using them. And it's been fantastic, but I just didn't imagine it. So one thing I've started noticing is 
professors started assigning episodes in their classes. It became an alternative form of assignment. Teachers, K through 12 teachers, many of whom, especially for history, are not actually trained as historians. So one of my really active listeners, he's, he's fantastic. He's a teacher down in Florida and he's, he trained as a music teacher, but he's teaching history. So he listens to the podcast to get in-depth stories about history from historians he can trust because they're all professional historians. He listens to the podcast to beef up his historical knowledge, and then he takes the knowledge he learns and puts it into action in his classroom. The show has also showed a lot of different grad students and other historians how powerful the medium can be. So I become a, a pod grandmother to a lot of different podcasts, <laughs> um, which is fantastic. So that's that's been that's been wonderful as well. And then, you know, again, this doing history series, it was kind of designed with the idea that we would have classroom use as well. But I think what's fantastic overall is the show has done exactly what it was meant to do. I started the project with, because I'm an academic, right? I had two th questions I wanted to answer, which was, <laughs> was the general public as apathetic about history as all the mainstream media said? Do people just not care about history? And two, if they knew where to find really great books that they can't find in Barnes and Noble because university presses don't have the money to pay Barnes and Noble to stock them, would they go out and seek these really interesting and good works about history? And the show quickly answered yes to both questions that people love history. They're not apathetic to it. So yes, give us more history. And I have like numbers, uh, you know, in one case study, but I have and have all this anecdotal proof. Like I get all these emails from people saying, I love your show, but you're costing me too much money because I keep running out to the bookstore to buy books. <laughs> so what a it's great problem giving, to have. <laughs> it's giving people an entryway to say, hey, I'm interested in reading that. I'm not interested in reading that. So I'm not going to buy the book. But hey, this one looks really good. I'm going to go out and buy it. So it's just giving people a new entryway and a way to look at other forms of media. So I see the podcast is really complimentary with the books and articles historians were already producing. Oh, I love Liz. I hope I wish that we were on video right now because you would see the gigantic smile I have on my face because this is so powerful. And this is where it gets into this medium being massively impactful, like to an entire industry, to entire like people all over the world, one listener at a time, because somebody shared it. And now you get to brainstorm on maybe ideas on how we can use it over here and use it over here. And now it's inspiring me to go to read this. I mean, like, you know, now I'm giving this as my as homework to my students. I mean, it's just massive. So it really, the reason I'm having you on is because you're such a great example of how it completely has the potential to shake up the way that we are learning and the way that that we are traditionally supposed to be learning and in a way that is fun, that is interactive, that makes sense, that, you know, we really enjoy doing and that we're having these great problems of spending too much money on books. I mean, what an awesome, great problem to have. So I am just so proud of everything that you've done. And who would have thought, and this is what, this is really the point I want to drive home. Yes, podcasting for your business is amazing. And to start a podcast so that it can impact your business, bring you more business. That's why a lot of people start. And that's great. <clears throat> Ultimately, what you want to recognize is that starting a podcast, and you may not know this now, but plant this seed, starting a podcast can 
can very well have the potential to making a broader impact in a way that you have no clue about right now. And that is the power of it. I mean, it's so massively available to people. And when you do a good job, just as Liz has done, of providing phenomenal content delivered in a really powerful way, you just never know what's on the other end of that. So Liz, I just, I honor you so much. I'm so proud of everything that you've done. And I know as your friend that you have put in so much work to make sure that your podcast, the integrity of your show, the the integrity of the audio quality that you have, like everything you approach this show with, although it started as a hobby, you really approach your show as something you were super proud of and something that you put a lot of hard work into. And and I'm so, so happy that you are seeing the, uh, you know, the benefits of that. So big congratulations to you. And I just want to thank you so much for sharing your story and how uh, this could be a great example of how powerful podcasting can be. Thank you so much, Katie. And if I may, may I offer one, you know, small tip about podcasting? Absolutely, please. For me, it really all comes down to your content. I think you want listener-centered content. So make the content, whether it's about your business or your passion, about your listeners. So when I craft interview questions, I'm always thinking about what do my listeners want to know? And I even ask my listeners what do they want to know? So you will hear uh, listener questions on the show. Make it as high quality as you can. Like take the time to edit your show or hire somebody to edit your show for you. But if you have high quality content and good audio and care about your listeners, you're going to be successful no matter what you podcast about. I love it. So true. So true. Liz, thank you so much again. Thank you so much, Katie. This was fun. 